Welcome to the Sorting It Out Podcast with your hosts, Caesar and Lauren. In a world where disagreeing has turned into divisiveness in a hugely problematic way, we thought it was worth taking time to practice thinking through multiple sides of an issue without villainizing the other perspective. While we won't tackle some of the toughest topics on this show, we will practice exploring multiple vantage points together as we work through day-to-day issues as they arise. Now, we're not experts, so we expect there to be some laughter, potentially some frustration, but we're really looking to push ourselves to be better listeners, and so we welcome you to join us on this journey as listeners and as conversation contributors. Welcome once again to the Sorting Out Podcast, Sorting It Out Podcast. Make sure I get this right. This is our very first episode, LMK. Um, We'll start with intros in a little bit, but how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling good. It feels like a version of sitting at the dinner table and talking, but we've researched a little bit more than maybe we would in other conversations. So it feels pretty comfortable. Yes, yes. So we're going to be very transparent. We did film uh, or record an episode already. And, you know, beginners, the sound wasn't all that great. So I we're redoing it. This is first episode part two. <laughs> Maybe we'll release the original at some point when, if, and when this goes big. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> well, I want to start off with some introductions. No, wait, I got stuck on when this goes big. This might just be you and I, siblings, <laughs> and our parents. And that's okay. You know what? If... You know, 10 people a week listen to us. I call that a success. I think, um, yeah, we're just chatting away like we do in the, in the kitchen table, as you said. And um, I always find our conversations very interesting and very fun. So if, you know, 10 people find that fun to listen to on a weekly or biweekly, however many we record, um, I think that's a success. And my goal would be, I think it's less about how many people watch, but how many people do we get to comment and engage in the conversation? Yeah, yeah. And how does that expand it beyond what you and I would have thought of about any issue? Yeah. That feels, that's what feels really worthwhile to me. I like that. So that's a good segue into, you know, a little bit about us, just an introduction on who we are. Um, we are... Um, well, what's we're fiancés? What's the word for <laughs> engaged? We're <laughs> oopsie daisy. Okay, well, uh, we are engaged. Um, I'm my name is Caesar. I um, was born in uh, Zacatecas, Mexico. Make sure I pronounce that right. Uh, and I immigrated to this country when I was five and lived in the uh, northern uh, northern suburbs of Chicago my entire life. And uh, recently, a few years ago, moved um, to Oklahoma. And I, you know, support the education system here in the city. And my name is Lauren, and I was born in the United States and lived in the Midwest for a lot of my life. Uh, my dad was military, so my family moved around a little bit. But again, I'd say most of my upbringing, most of my life experience has been from a Midwestern American vantage point. Yes. So we have different perspectives. Um, and I think in our conversations and upbringing, I mean, just very diverse upbringing, um, 
you with your family's military background, mine as an immigrant. We, we've got to see different parts of the world and not just this country. So I think we have a lot to add. But um, to bring it back to the podcast and you know what drove us here, I think you um, articulated this very eloquently in the first episode, part one. <laughs> um as to why it's why it's important for us um uh, to do this or to engage in conversation and sort of sort it out um and like i said what we said in the in the intro we're just going to look at topics of the day news articles questions that you know are prevalent um, and try to sort them out, try to uh, sort out. And I think a, a very important part of that is being able to see multiple perspectives or see um, the issue from a variety of vantage points. Um, so to to that end, so we come from, you and I both met in a very liberal blue city which is chicago and we were in a bubble and then the trump presidency happened and it all shook us like completely how is this happened and then we moved to oklahoma right um circumstances changed we came to oklahoma and then we realized oh yeah this is this is why he won um and it's just a you know a completely different world so um just if you could articulate what you said at the beginning, why you know this move sort of prompted us to look deeper in ourselves. Yeah, I just think about when people ask, like, what's the biggest difference between living in Chicago and in Tulsa? And there are lots of differences. There's similarities too, but for me, it's been um, the impact of state politics on on my personal and professional life. I didn't feel yeah. state politics in that same way. Yeah. And so um, sometimes politics are against some of the the values that I have mm-hmm. personally and professionally. And so it's really been a chance to be in a different part of the country um, where you have more of a mix of attitudes and beliefs and experiences yeah. than I've been before. I really was in a bubble. And so I was surrounded oh, by people sure. who thought very similarly to me most of the time. And that's not yeah. always the case here in Oklahoma. So it's been a good chance to just see things from a different perspective and to be reminded that sometimes it's really easy to get on a high horse when you're only surrounded yeah. by people who think just like you. And even if you think you're, you're like fighting for the the right cause or you're fighting for people's um, best circumstances, you still get caught up in not understanding the other vant- vant- vantage points. Yeah. And so I think it's worthwhile to slow down and explore that. Um, and not get so caught up in a us versus them, but really yeah. trying to find the similarities and where might be we be misunderstanding each other. Yeah, you're right. We get on this high horse and we use it to villainize the other side. I'm guilty of it. And you've heard me in our conversations and how heated I can get. Um, and um, it no longer is like, trying to understand the other side it becomes like how do i well you you just sort of villainize them and you see them as enemies a lot it has to do with the media and the way we consume it and the sources we consume them from um and it's both sides really how 
we can we can we'll dive into a lot of this stuff you know in future podcasts but how each side has their own sort of issues that rouse them up and then the politicians and the media touch on that and leverage those to rile each other up when in reality i mean we're not all that different we just want to live our lives and uh retire peacefully and have families we all sort of have the same goals uh how we achieve them may be a little bit different but we just have more in common than um than we are different and um it just takes a little bit of effort to see that and that's what we're going to try to do at least when we sort things out on this podcast and I think the reality is um, the stakes are really high with the way yeah. the United States has a lot of disagreement and inability to understand one another. So I don't want to minimize that at all. But I agree with you. There, We have a lot of similarities, but we don't connect at a human level no. anymore. Um, but one thing that I really like about the way you think and just having conversations with you is you have strong values. And you don't make excuses for people. You don't let those values slide. And so I appreciate that when talking to you. The vantage point you bring always centers those values. No, thanks. Thanks. Um, I think um, if we are we on the part of the podcast where we compliment each other? Yeah, I think that's right now. Awesome. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think you can. So when I was thinking of a podcast, I'll, I'll start with. I, it's it was my idea right i started with the idea of like let me create a podcast and whatnot and then i'm i can't do it alone i need someone to bounce ideas off of and i couldn't figure out who like my brother some friends who can i incorporate and i realized what a minute <laughs> you're you're such a good conversationist and what makes you great i think your one of your strengths is that you are able to in a way uh put yourself in the other person's shoe or the other vantage point and and sort of play the devil's advocate advocate very very well even if you don't believe in that necessarily i think you can articulate the other side of the argument in a way that that other side would find acceptable um or even like true to what they believe so um i'm like there's no better person to bring into a sorted out sort of podcast uh than my beautiful fiance so um and soon to be wifey um, so what I heard you say is I thought about this person and then this person, <laughs> and this person, and they were busy. So Everyone like, rejected me. Lauren's free. Let me just pull her over. <laughs> I appreciate you making the time to uh, do this awesome thing with me. So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, so the the podcast is gonna have three parts to it. Um, the, we just covered the intro, so there's usually gonna be an intro. We're gonna cover some very recent news that just happened on the intro, and and just quickly dive into that and and sort of sort it out if there's anything to sort out. And typically, especially in this day and age, everything needs some sorting out. There's there's so much gray area now. I mean, I guess there's always been that. I mean, 
everybody has an opinion on everything so there's always something new um sort out on the news um and then the second segment which is the the main portion of the podcast that we are calling the meat and potatoes uh but since we're in oklahoma uh, it's the meat and taters uh, of the podcast. Um, and that's where we're going to have just one main subject. We're going to try to dive a deep dive into um, and try to sort it out and see if whatever we're talking about can have a middle ground, um, if you will. And then the last, the closing segment, just miscellaneous. It could be something from Reddit. Um, it could be uh, my my brother gave me an awesome book of uh, awesome questions to ponder. Um, so we're just going to mix it up and have something fun uh, towards the end um, to close out. So it's just three three segments, um, and and then that's it. I just feel the need to say, I think that was also credit going to your sister-in-law, too, for that awesome gift. Yes. Uh, Orlean, thank you so much. If you are listening, we are going to use that book. There's so many questions. One of the questions I wanted to present today, but we won't be able to, is um, would you euthanize your pet for $35 million? And the answer is no. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you can't. <laughs> no, no, no. No, because it was a healthy pet. It wasn't just what you euthanize yeah, 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 your pet. Yeah, yeah. Would you euthanize a healthy pet? Hold on, hold on. For a certain sum of money? Uh, nope. $35 million. So it's going to be in a future podcast. You know my stance on this. $35 million is a lot of money. That's blood money. That is blood money. You put an animal down... You killed an animal just for money. You could never look at yourself again in the mirror. Oh, oh I no. think I'd not, I'd buy a really nice mirror and look no. at myself. <laughs> look, I, I, the the approach I take on that is how much good can I do with that? And yeah, it'll it'll take an innocent furry life for sure. But like, how many uh, insulin treatments could you buy people who? need insulin right or pay off medical or you know fund some sort of program at a school district that's under research there's just so much you can do um and you're saying there is you're saying there is no price well i'm just saying then like if if somebody said euthanize your healthy wife for wait a million dollars think how much good wait where do you draw the line like i draw the line at a pet now if 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 um, those who may be watching on video know that I am holding my beautiful cat because she doesn't leave us alone, really. I just want to point out she did get up and start to walk out of the room when this question came up. And that's her purring. <laughs> I think you can hear her purring. Um, now, when she's right next to me, she's literally right look, next look to me. Look her in the face. Reno, <laughs> I can't look her in the face. For $35 million, girl, oh my goodness. Um, okay, $35 million. What about $35 billion? Like, is there a price for that? We'll talk about no. it. No. So there is no, uh, everybody, there is no price for you. No. Not like you could possibly end world hunger. 
Why do how you, many people? How many people's lives would you save? Why am I in a scenario where I have to put down my healthy pet in order to end world hunger? Just entertain the scenario. Then I'm gonna go with no. <laughs> <laughs> how? Okay, so you your your cat survives. Good job. Wait. Okay. Okay. I'm with my scenario. You won your scenario. Okay. Great. Great job. Bunch of people died because they couldn't get insulin. Bunch of people died because they didn't have enough food. Um, bunch of people died from malaria because there's, I don't know, there's not the treatment for it. There is a treatment, but you know what I'm saying. But your cat lives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that would be blood money. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Wow. Well, we sort of we haven't sorted it out. We're gonna continue on that conversation in the next one. Um, she, uh, I, I'm just flap. I'm flabbergasted. Also, wait, the question really said for fifty thousand dollars. No. Yes. So you're upping it to thirty-five million. <laughs> so let's go back down to fifty thousand. I would not do it for fifty thousand dollars. So there's a dollar limit. That yes, there is told? a there is a price. You could help a lot of people with fifty thousand dollars too. So your cat just lived in this scenario, but people lost insulin. People couldn't eat. Why, why does it matter the amount of money? Because with more money, you can do more good. So what's, what's your cutoff? On the next podcast, <laughs> <laughs> we, will, we will sort it out. We got to get to the meat and taters. We got uh, distracted here, but the meat and potatoes today... Um, very interesting. This is an article I found uh, a few weeks ago, and we we're like, this would be a good topic to cover. Um, so I'll I'll let you introduce what has happened, and then we can uh, sort it out. Sort out whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Okay. So essentially, New Zealand passed legislation banning the ability to buy cigarettes or tobacco products for future generations. And as far as we can see, this is the first time any country has done something like this. Yes, um, we've uh, researched it extensively for about 15 minutes. <laughs> we were really focused for all of those 15 minutes. Too. Yeah. Uh, no, but we were reading about this. And so essentially this was passed by parliament, but signed off by the prime minister. And this happened in uh, earlier in December of 2022. Yeah. And essentially anyone born after 2008 will not be able to buy cigarettes or tobacco products going forward. The bill also um, was designed to limit the number of retailers. Currently there's about 6,000, but hoping that that goes down to 600. The bill also aimed to reduce levels of nicotine in cigarettes. And so what this ultimately means is the number of people able to buy tobacco will shrink each year, and it will be harder to purchase, purchase for those that were born after 2008 because fewer retailers, just not as many, much opportunity to purchase. And even for those that continue, they're old enough to, and they still make the effort to go out and, and buy these products, it will be less addictive because they will have lowered the amount of nicotine in those. Yes. So that's essentially what has happened and um, a little bit of what that means. But there's there's a little bit more context behind it. Yeah. Well, first I want to, like the main headline um, that I saw all over Reddit was, Ooh, New Zealand bans cigarettes for 
future generations, which is like, what? That's completely uh, different than any other band that I've, you know, that I could remember. Like, okay, so part of the country still gets to do this while another part is prevented. That is a unique way to ban something. But I get it. You you know you you got these people accustomed to smoking, and you're not just, just not going to cut them off. So the idea is to um, stop future generations from ever getting hooked on. I get it. But people over I did too, because in the 15 minutes of robust research that we did, um, I figured out, or we realized that wait, there's more to that bill. There's uh, you're cutting down access for those who haven't been banned from smoking, right? Where locations go from 6,000 to like 600, that's a 90% cut in um, locations where you can get cigarettes. That's some. Um, that's massive. It's you're effectively banning it for a lot of folks. But I don't know how big the country is. I should have researched that. But maybe it's a small country where six hundred. It's they're clustered together. I don't know. Um, and then uh, reducing nicotine levels in cigarettes themselves, so they become less addictive to those who are still allowed to use it. Those two pieces may be as important as the ban itself for younger generations, which is, um, uh, which was what, what got the biggest headline. Um, so, so your point there is, although it seems like it's just something that's going to impact those who are born 2009 and later, yeah. it actually is impacting everybody there's layers of it yes impacting everybody it really is it's it's impacting the entire country and uh uh those those folks who do smoke so let's dive into some of the context of this particular policy um wh why are they doing this now um well there's been efforts in the past to reduce the um smoking rate um in new zealand with with some level of success they still haven't gotten it down to what it wanted to they want to be considered a smoke-free country and i believe that rate has to be at five percent or lower so five percent of the population or the adult population smoking or lower that would categorize you as a country that's free of smoking essentially so that's the that's why they're trying to do that now they've been trying to do it for um for a while and um i think they needed this big systemic change to make it happen and it might get there um but the other important um sort of context to add here is that um, the indigenous people of the of New Zealand are the ones who have the highest smoking rates and and thus have the highest rates of death associated to to smoking. So we started thinking about, well, what does this mean? Uh, what are the implications of uh, a predominantly white um, uh, parliament? Uh, making laws that would predominantly impact the indigenous people of the land. 
So in trying to understand, like, is there a racial equity component of this? And it didn't, it didn't seem like there was. We started to think about, is this one of those cases where you have the leadership not representing um, the people who are facing the disparity, yeah, kind of imposing something on them for exactly. their own good. And I put that in air quotes, own good, because that's what we're trying to sort out. But you actually did a little bit more digging and you found out that the demographic makeup of parliament is actually in alignment to re the representation of the country. And in fact, it might be a little bit higher. So essentially, and the other key important, or the other important component yes. is that there were folks from the indigenous population who publicly endorsed this effort as a way of recognizing the systemic racial inequities within the health system that stem back to colonization. So it didn't seem like it was done by a group of people for another group of people without consulting. It seems like, yeah. from what we read, there was support, of, um, maybe not universal support, but there was support from the folks who are disproportionately impacted by current smoking patterns. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fascinating because there's the cat in the background. <laughs> It's fascinating because, um, yes, the indigenous people there are the ones with the highest smoking rates. I think it's like at 22%, 21%. Do we put it in the notes? I don't think so. Um, but it's it's the, the rate for New Zealand as a whole is 10 to 11%. Um, but the indigenous people are like twice that high. And... Um, they would have never got hooked on smoking had the Europeans not brought it into, you know, their land centuries ago. Um, so now they're, you know, in this um, state where, as you see it all across countries that have been colonized by Europeans, you see it in America, you see it in, uh, you see it in Central America, in wherever Europeans colonized, um, the native people are the ones who are worst off. And, um, what was I going with this? So yeah, the, the, the indigenous people are the ones who are pushing hardest to get this ban in place so they can break sort of that, 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 that vice, that, that behavior that was brought to them by the Europeans. Um, and given their, um, social economic status in the country is a huge burden on them. The health uh, implications from smoking um, and their inability to um, navigate that without the resources um, is the big reason why they're um, pushing for this, the indigenous people, to you know find a way to ban this or stop or lower those those smoking rates in that community. So I think that context is important um, to think about as we kind of talk through what are pros and cons of this. And essentially, New Zealand by 2025 wants to reduce that rate to 5%, like yes. you said. So we're not talking about a 10, 20-year goal. We're talking about 2025. So they're very serious about this. And even though smoking is already at a historic low there, um, the push comes from recognizing, at least in part, that there's a disproportionate impact on certain groups of people who live there. Yes. Yeah. So then we need to sort it out. Um, is this 
a good approach to what they're trying to do we presented the sides of the country as a whole they are trying to become a smoke-free country which makes sense smoking kills um the indigenous people makes sense they are the ones who are most impacted they're trying to break that that habit um is this the way to do it is this the way you first of all let's talk about their unique approach with the banning for certain generations or not um but overall banning banning things is it is it effective well so one thing that stood out to me when we first read through this was it's banning the ability to purchase these products legally. It's not banning the use of it. According to what I read, does that align to how you understood it? I believe so. Yes, you can't buy it. <laughs> and so, but, but we all know that people do get a hold of things even when they're not There's going to be a black market. It. So then it raises the question, will this genuinely lead to decreased usage or not? Yeah. Um, and as we were reading, some of the critics of the bill said that, hey, actually this policy could fuel a black market. And tobacco products and could kill off small shops so maybe yeah. it might not change the usage pattern patterns as much as desired it has economic impacts and then with the black market of course you can't regulate the quality of of whatever product is being put in place so it's unclear about what those potential right. implications could have too yeah the the thing that people always harp back on is prohibition here in the country didn't work you try to ban alcohol um and people find a way to get it so is that going to play out i don't know if it's um i don't know if it's valid though because you put a ban in place sure some people will get around it but not all so you've already s somehow still managed to lower the smoking rate so even if there's going to be a black market which there will be. I think it still is able to lower the smoking rate somewhat, don't you think? I would think so. Well, and it also made me think I'm glad that they're not criminalizing usage because then that's criminalizing addiction potentially and yeah. You can't like you can't logic your way out of addiction, so that would hurt people even more yeah. economically, physically, yeah. mentally, spiritually. So I'm glad that's not the case, but um, yeah, I, th I think what you're saying is right. It seems like it it will decrease, it likely to decrease. Maybe it's not going to eliminate the way they hope, um, but I think it all comes down to how that black market does or does not play out. Yeah, I, that'll be a, a big piece of that. Um, but it, but the other is, I think philosophically I don't, I don't know where i stand on this um i think if you're talking about will it reduce the the smoking rates sure probably um will it get it to five percent who's to who's to say they may um it'll lower it um it just you got less places to buy from the ones that you're buying are less addictive and uh all future generations are barred from buying it legally so that's going to have an impact on the smoking rate. Perfectly fine. Um, but philosophically, uh, you were talking about, hey, sugar, fat, salt, alcohol, 
all of these things are super toxic for our bodies um, in large quantities, which here in America, we consume them in large quantities, all four of those things. Um, why not ban those things as well? Uh, the same arguments you can make for uh, cigarettes, you can make about sugar and fat and salt and alcohol. So philosophically, does this make sense? Is this so different from some of the other toxic things that are legal? Yeah. Um, regardless of age that are legal or some that are yeah based on statutory law. But um, Does this harm anyone else? Do, do, am I smoking? Does it harm you? As long as I'm not giving you the secondhand smoke. Like, let's just assume I'm smoking on my own in the privacy of outside never bring it inside, never put it next to cats or children or anything else. It's just me. You said cats before children. <laughs> but, um, well, I think, so I, I can see that point. Yeah. Um, however, I do think that with something as harmful as tobacco, um, and because it is so addictive because of the nicotine, yeah. you do have health effects and as soon as you enter into that that's all connected but health effects for me health effects for you but that can impact your family that can impact your coworkers. how often you're able to go to work if you have to take time off for for anything um it also impacts the healthcare system um if if you are someone who doesn't have the means to mm -hmm. care for your own bills that come from yeah. healthcare, mm -hmm. that goes back into a system so i do think it's all connected and although I, there's an argument for individual rights, I do think that this is at such a large scale. Um, it does impact the community. Yeah. So you're saying you could argue, like me in this example, that, hey, I'm only harming myself here. You're like, well, sure, you're definitely harming you, but here's all the ways that you harm those around you, even if it's not through secondhand smoke. Mm -hmm. And hence why you would be okay with the government coming in and saying this is banned now yeah and i think anytime you have something that impacts your health so negatively that does become a community issue it does become a systems issue because it's not one off it's uh, a lot of people yeah um, and not just and it affects everybody a little bit differently but you're seeing a lot of users who end up with those chronic chronic health problems and so yeah. that does impact the health system um do you so think do you think it's easier for you to say that since you don't smoke um, to say, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that the government's doing this because this, this or that. But let's say, let's say um, uh, drying your hair <laughs> is just as bad as smoking for, it has all those sort of um, health benefit or health, not benefits. What's the opposite of benefits? Harm. <laughs> harms. <laughs> Health harms. Um, Health harms. Let's, anything. Something that the government says, this is bad, but you are yeah. a user. I definitely, it's easier for me to, to have a stance on this because it doesn't impact me personally because I don't use tobacco. Yeah. But like, yeah, if you were to tell me sweet tea mm -hmm. is banned because it's bad for you, and it is. It is. It's kind of good for the soul, but it's bad. So is a cigarette. Well, <laughs> um, no, I would definitely take that more personally and probably take a stronger stance, but I think that falls into the same category. I don't know that I have a stance on where I think it's appropriate for the government to draw the line. But you know that cigarettes are. Um, 
No, I see the case for it. That's not just an individual issue. I think that's a that's a community issue. I think sugar is too. Um, so I think that. So it, you would be okay with the government saying, coming in and that's it. We're done with sugar. Future generations, no more sugar for you. I'm not sure that I'd be okay with it, but I think it comes <gasps> within the same logic as this is my point. Oh, well, you're okay with the cigarettes, but not okay with sugar being well, I banned? I haven't said that. I haven't said I'm okay with it. You, oh, you didn't say, okay, got it. Okay, my bad, my bad. I jumped the gun on this one. So you haven't said, oh, we're going to sort it out because we need to get we need to get an answer. I don't need an answer right now, but the listeners are trying to figure out if you think this is a good idea or not. We'll get down to it. Um, okay, but then I guess the point is, where do we draw the line and say, um, yeah, this is a thing that the government should regulate this is a thing that they should not. Um, that's a tricky, it's like a slippery slope. Hey, they went after cigarettes now, but they're coming after your cookies next, or you know, they're coming after your burgers after that. And you've opened the door, you said yes to the cigarettes, and they're gonna use the same arguments for the stuff that you like. What, what would you say about that argument? Um. Well, I think one is this also impacts a certain group of people. Um, so like we said, yeah. it does it does have layers to it. So it impacts all users yeah. um, and in those who are indirectly connected to it as well. But I would be really interested to see like from a youth perspective, I'm saying youth because yeah. just anybody yeah. after 2009 and after, what are they thinking about this? Yeah. Um, do they see this as a means of protecting them? Like, thank you. Thank you for not making this successful because I don't want this to harm my generation the same way it has previous generations. Thank you for that wisdom. Or are they like, uh, excuse me, if excuse it's big me. enough to ban it for me, ban it for you too. Um, so I think that comes into play too because it's not this universal yeah. ban it's based on based on the year you were born based on age yeah so i guess the young people could argue age discrimination by the government which kind of is in a way but um everyone has their own constitution speaking of young people um the ban does not ban e-cigarettes or what is it the vaporizers vaping vaping yes the vapors, um, it doesn't ban them. So young people don't smoke cigarettes anymore. They're all on their devices um, and vaping now. Um, and um, I, I don't remember quite remember the number, but it actually vaping rates are higher than s cigarette rates, smoking rates. So. Maybe they're not as uh, dangerous. I don't know. But if they wanted people to stop smoking, they're sure they banned it from young people. But young people weren't smoking cigarettes to begin with. They were, they're, they're doing the vaping now. And that's still very much legal. Maybe that was intentional. I don't know. I don't remember reading about why they did or did not include vaping. Um, so I'd just be making assumptions. But I wonder if they are starting to see a natural trend of different patterns of usage vaping versus cigarettes and yeah. other tobacco products so they're like we're seeing a natural change in the pattern anyway let's just lean into that change and maybe that's what helped drove hey 2009 and yeah. after let's just not even make this available so it doesn't yeah become more prevalent than it is yeah 
I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe they're under the assumption, which shouldn't be a right assumption, that vaping is healthier, and therefore maybe that's something that they would let go through. But um, now when I go to the doctors, like, do you smoke and vape? Like, they're asking for that, and I'm, I'm fairly certain it's probably not going to be that much healthier. If you're inhaling any kind of smoke of any kind, vaping or whatnot, your lungs were made for oxygen. <laughs> so um, who knows? But um, yeah, interesting what's happening in New Zealand. We'll see how it plays out. Um, but let's, this is, this is sorting it out. Um, so want to get your thoughts on whether you think this is the right thing or not. Um, so this is a little bit of a cop out, but I want to say oh, that my no. opinion is contingent cop out. upon, I don't, I know we read, um, you know, there was some representatives from some of the indigenous folks who live there who said, yes, we think this is a good idea. Yeah. But as a country over, across the board and especially, you know, disaggregating data to look at different trends and groups, we're folks in New Zealand for or against this because I, I don't know that it feels good to be for it if most people are like, no, we don't think this is a good idea. We don't want this. This is not the way to solve it. Um, so I say that I don't know how the people. But general. do you think that a country that uh, 90% of the people don't smoke would be against banning smoking? I think it'll be exactly the same. Um, it's not about it's not about banning smoking. It's about government rights. The, the conversations yeah. we're having now. So I okay. Don't, I don't think that country is going to say like, no, we want our right to smoke. They might say, no, we want our right to decide what we put in our body. So I think it would be less about smoking and tobacco products and more about where's the line about how government does or does not step in. So given that context, um, that would that would elevate my priority based on what the people think is appropriate. But based on what we're reading and what's trying to be done, I think this is a good law. Um, I think I think it's intentional about having the levels so that even yeah. though it impacts those yeah. born after 2009 the most, there's still things in place to help bring down the problematic aspects of those who will continue to use. Yeah. So I think it's you think it's a good thing. Creative. Yeah. Okay. I, I, what do I, you think? Um, yeah. I at first I was gun ho about it. I'm like, yeah, this is good. Um, ban smoking for future generations. Um, wean wean the ones that are currently on off make it harder to get um i'm still if of that belief i think this is generally a good thing um it's not like you're they're denying you uh, you'll live you'll live without smoking um you'll you'll be able to get on with your life and find something else to do um but it does give me a little bit of pause for concern because I'm speaking from someone who doesn't smoke cigarettes, right? I don't smoke. So, um, it, yeah, good. I don't, I don't get impacted and hopefully creates healthier outcomes. But if I was a smoker and I smoke cigarettes, how would I interpret this? I'm trying to put myself in that, in that perspective. I'd probably be a toss up whether the 50, 50, like one, I'm already past the generation. So I get to continue smoking um, I I don't know. I I think generally this is a good idea. I'm a little iffy about what the government then decides to ban next. Will it be something that I enjoy? Uh, fast cars, modifying your cars, right? Hey, they're already doing a lot of that in California. Like, kind of annoying that you can't, you know, wrench on your car. 
So things like that, that would be, you know, see, I'm being a little bit hypocritical because that, Hey, don't touch my car. Don't, don't tell me what I can or can't do to my car. Um, someone could say, Hey, don't touch my cigarettes. Don't tell me what I can. I can't do with my cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit hypocritical here. That's a tough one. But I think that's very human of us. I think we all do that. We see, even yeah. if it's like the same type of issue, the way it impacts us personally changes the argument we make for if it's right or wrong. Yeah. So I think this is, this is perfect. I, 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 if they came for like car modifying here in Oklahoma, which they won't, <laughs> Oklahoma will never touch car modifiers because they don't care. Um, but if they ever did, like if I was in California and they made it just stricter, you can't put exhaust on it, you can't put turbos on your car, like because of emissions, it's you know makes the earth dirtier. I'd be fine with that. I think I'd be fine with that. It'd be a little annoying, but I think I'd be fine with that. So overall, I think New Zealand's doing the right thing. Very creative approach. We'll see how effective it is. I think it'll be somewhat effective because of if it was just the banning of the the f- future generations, maybe not as effective. But like you're doing a lot more things that are behind that bill, um, which I think overall in the in the future will prove to be effective at lowering those rates, which they're already fairly low uh, at ten percent. But we'll see. They also missed the vaping, so who knows? Who knows? All right. Um, so that was the meat and taters. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. We're gonna be closing out here um, with. Um, one final segment i will we were supposed to go 35 to 45 minutes we're at the 45 minute mark so we want to make cognizant of our, our viewers listening time um this is uh this is our first and last podcast of 2022 <laughs> um so the new year's coming in less than well not 24 hours but in about 27 hours 28 hours um and with that come new year's resolutions are you gonna make new year's resolutions this year uh well probably not probably not the one i would have made i've already sort of done it throughout this year which is get healthier and eat better exercise more um which is typically you know the, the same one that a lot of people do um but as i was researching as you can expect, um, what what do you think the percentage of New Year's resolutions that last the entire year, based on some estimates? Fifteen. Not bad. Uh, actually, uh, somewhere around uh, was it six percent, seven percent? I forgot where I read it. Um, and then eighty percent stop after January. So they never last. They never last for a lot of people um so we got ourselves wondering well first of all are you gonna have a new year's resolution yeah oh goodness do you want to talk about it no it's personal (laughs) how what a cop out so now we can't even hold you accountable you can hold me accountable you're gonna tell me in private yeah i'm telling all of you all (laughs) 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 um that okay great well um, so then I guess the, the question is going to be new year's resolutions, given the high rate of failure, um, very few people actually make it all the way to the end of the year. Is it worth it? Is it worth doing a new year's yeah. resolution? 
Yeah, because um, I think that the value of New Year's resolutions are doesn't 100% come from whether or not you live up to that goal. Like sometimes it's even having the time to reflect and identify areas of improvement for yourself. And we know that change, like depending on what kind of change it is, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not something that you could just have the idea and that you do it. People work up to it. There's like stages of change. So even if someone makes a New Year's resolution and doesn't carry through with it or only does it through January or February, it's still a start of something. It could still be valuable. So I totally, number one, I think it's fun. Number two, I just think it's like a natural reset. And so why not? And number three, I think that whether you follow through with it or not, unless you're like punishing yourself for not doing it or punishing others for not following yeah. through, you're starting that line of thinking. So maybe next year you have the same one and you actually, you do follow through. Well, so why not? Yeah, I guess you're not hurting anybody by doing a resolution, but maybe you are hurting yourself. Why? Um, given the high rate of failure, like how many people at the end of January realize, I just don't have it in me. I'm, I'm a failure. I I keep doing these resolutions and I, um, never able to meet them. And so many people like you you know the the i don't know the memes if you will um of the gym being full the first week of january and then goes back to normal at the end people then go home and realize dang i failed again is that good for you you think i think it can be because okay let's say you went to the gym for a week and then you stopped going the next time you go to a gym your gym you're a little bit more comfortable because you spent that week there you know what to expect. You walk in a little bit yeah. differently. So it's building on something. So in, so I would say we need to let go of the pressure of your failure if you don't live up to your New Year's resolutions. Let's let that go and let's let it be a process. See, I see what you're saying, but what's the purpose of the New Year's resolution then? If you're not even going to be committed to like, well, if I fail, I fail. I don't have to worry about it. Then, then it, what is it then? Is it just saying some kind of setting an aspirational goal that you aren't even going to put that much effort in? No, it's a, it's a place to reflect on what you want to do differently. And then you start to make steps towards that. And if you didn't pick something that's meaningful enough for you to push through or it wasn't reasonable given your context, okay, you change it. It doesn't happen. But it's just it's a place of reflection. It is a, I mean, it, it it is a perfect time for you to... I agree with you that New Year's resolutions allows you to reset, focus on, you know, maybe something you want to improve on or um, maybe a new hobby that you want to pick up. It's, it's a perfect opportunity that that, that rotation around the sun <laughs> gives you. Um, um, but at we, this... We could spice it up this year and I could make a New Year's resolution for you and you can make... Oh, that's me. dangerous. <laughs> Well, because now you, it's not even coming from you. It's not even coming from your own self. What motivation do I have to meet your New Year's resolution for me? Given how, like, what? What? <laughs> well, t- I mean, what, are you gonna tell us what the you're gonna think about it? I don't have one. For you. Okay, okay. We'll we'll touch we'll touch on that on the next podcast to see what New Year's resolutions you gave me. You got it's got to be achievable. It's got to be measurable. It's got to be, what are the SMART goals? Smarty, um, specific. Specific. Measurable. Measurable, achievable, relevant, 
and time bound. Time bound. Okay. And if you add IE inclusive and equitable. Add IE for boy. inclusivity and equity. Equity equitivity? No, equity. Equitable. Equitable. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think that's what's missing from a lot of these. Um, I was reading um, why people fail in the resolution is one, it's too lofty. You're just not going to be able to. Achieve, it's not achievable. You don't have. Um, it's not time bound <laughs> like this podcast. We got to get going. Um, but people fail because they they just lack specificity. They are too ambitious. They don't have any way to measure progress. Um, and they just give up. So, so you're not making a resolution. I'm going to say my new year's resolution is to, um, set a new year's resolution. That's smart, smart, like, uh, achievable, relevant. <laughs> I've got to learn the acronym first. Neither one of us can remember it. <laughs> That's it's an acronym. Resolution. It's a smart acronym. Okay. Smart goals. Um, we will talk about what we set for each other on uh, the next podcast. Um, all right. I think this is this is the end. We got to wrap it up. What did you think? Um, it's fun. It I is fun. I still feel like we're just at the dinner table, but... It's uh, very fun. Yeah, I appreciate talking to you always. Yeah, yeah same here. Uh, we've had our conversations for today. I'm going to go now watch TV. Please don't bother me anymore, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note and on that note no thank you so much for joining us today um we know we might have missed something in this so please help us out um share your comments your thoughts whose perspective do we overlook what details do we not consider help us sort this out even further i agree um you can send us comments questions topics um viewpoints that we didn't capture at sort it out at silverlandproductions.com that's sort it out at silverlandproductions.com we once again thank all of you for uh joining us here on our first podcast um and hope to see you on the next one and remember get your steps in and drink your water we'll see you on the next one Sorting It Out is a Silverland Productions podcast. You can catch this and future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service or at our website at silverlandproductions.com. <laughs>